Hi everyone. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. It's a lovely morning over here in the office. Oh my god, it's just lovely, isn't it? it? It's absolutely pouring with rain outside. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, but welcome back to another episode of Business Uncensored, the good, the bad and the ugly with Team Bevelacqua. Woohoo! So today we are going to be talking about marketing and um, something called the marketing mix, which kind of consists of seven P's. P words. P words. Lovely. Seven P's. We both do marketing every day, um, whether it be digital marketing or social media marketing or email marketing. It basically consumes our whole days. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There's a whole lot that goes into marketing and marketing is a huge part of business. Um, and I think it's can be quite overlooked. Yeah, I think in a way. Yeah. yeah. People seem to think it's just putting a post out on Facebook every so often but there's a lot of things that go into marketing that might seem a little complicated maybe but yeah. but once you understand it it's like super easy to do yeah yeah exactly so today like I said we're going to go through the seven p's and Chris what are the seven p's of marketing so there's product price place promotion people process and physical evidence so obviously that's called the marketing mix like we said earlier but before we go on to talk about the seven p's and some depth i think we need to stress the importance of marketing yeah in business yeah i think we touched on it ever so slightly but like marketing is just such a huge part of business it's the way that you get your business out there it's the way that you make sales it's the way that you interact with your customers and clients it's kind of the way that your business and your brand is seen online. Yeah, I think it just shows and proves how like amazing your business is and your company is and how you can assist your customers. So you can like, you can teach others about your industry, um, but without marketing, your company doesn't have a voice. Yeah. Like it's just, it's not gonna be out there. It's just kind of sat in the dark alone <laughs> yeah and obviously if you're not talking about what you do and if you're not talking about the things that you offer then no one's going to see it which no. means that you're not going to get any sales you're not going to build your client base you're not going to build your audience and marketing is crucial because it allows you to carefully communicate your products and services with a specific with a specific target audience so like chris said it's about your brand voice so it's about looking at what you offer who you offer it to and how you're going to offer it to them. And it's about doing that in the right way to engage the right people and kind of stay within your brand and your values, if that makes sense. Yeah. So there's there's a lot to it, but it's it's really, really important. Yeah, I think doing it in the right way is, is super important. Like having a strategic marketing plan in place, I think that will kind of let you establish targets like based on where you are yeah. in the industry or where you are on your uh, business journey, that sort of thing. Um, and outlining those goals and how they will be met, including your target market um, and how the organization should be like positioned, I think. Yeah. Just like in the industry, you need to be looking at where you are, what you're offering and how you're gonna put it out there. Yeah, and you did mention about kind of setting goals and things, and I think, um, and kind of with strategy, and I think there's so many different marketing strategies out there, and so many different ways to do it, and I think, again, it's about thinking, what's the best marketing strategy for your business, and yeah. for your brand, and for your target audience? What is the best way 
to put yourself out into the public eye that's going to engage the right people that you want to work with or you want to buy from you. So I think a future episode, we're going to do something about marketing strategies, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> keep your eyes and your ears peeled for that over the next few weeks because <laughs> we will dive a little bit into different marketing strategies, different styles of marketing and how you can kind of define um, which one is best for your business. So something that we always, always say is understand your customer, understand your brand constantly. I think I've said it about 12 times. Yeah. The marketing mix as a whole refers to the activities you're going to partake in to satisfy your customer needs. So you always have to put your customer in the middle of what you plan to do. So you're thinking about what the customer needs, what product or service is gonna fill those needs. You need to tailor what you're going to offer to what you have researched or think your potential customer will need. Yeah, and I think there's always a kind of a little bit of speculation because I think some people can sometimes see that as um, you're kind of having to change your business to fit a certain group, but then yeah. it's also like you should if you don't if you're not or you should be looking for the right group to fit your business. Mm-hmm. But I think the whole thing about being in business and marketing and things like that is about being adaptable. Oh yeah. Like if you're sure on the people that you want to work with and the people that you want to buy f- uh, that you want to buy from you and you kind of want to build you know that community around that kind of people then it is about slightly tailoring your products and services. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily about changing your business or your brand all the time although you might need to at some point, but it's about the way that you show your products and services. Yeah. Um, and just making sure that fits in with, like you say, the needs and the pain points of your clients and customers. So you're gonna need to specify the techniques to make your strategy a reality, which is where the seven Ps come in. Absolutely. So let's get started. So just as we said before, the seven Ps are product, price, place, promotion, people, process, and physical evidence. So before we get into it, go get yourself a pen and paper. <laughs> get some notes down. <laughs> let's start with product. Yes. Right at the beginning. Go for it. So this refers to what the company produces, or whether it's a product or service or a combination of both, and is developed to meet the core need of the customer. For example, a car solves a problem of transportation. Yes. So this is, I guess in a way, supply and demand. Yeah. So the challenge is to create the right bundle of advantages, let's say. that meet these consumer needs but what happens if I don't know uh, a customer need changes or your competitors are racing ahead of you or new opportunities arise what does happen we have to improve our bundle of advantages to improve the offering air quotes (laughs) (laughs) create new versions of our existing products or launch brand new products yeah so you're always going to be adapting to what your customer needs or whether new opportunities arise or your competitors have made a product that you think is better than yours and it does this feature that yours doesn't do. So you're always gonna be adapting to offer better things. Yeah, and I think this, a car or like a car garage or car salesman is a good example of where you would have to, like you say, adapt your product or service. Yeah. Obviously, if you're a car salesman, you're not just going to be like, hey, BMW, you know, <laughs> bring me this car. I mean, you might, I don't know how car sales work, but <laughs> clearly. Um, but I think, you know, say, for example, you're selling cars. You're Say, for example, you're selling at BMW. 
your tar- target audience or your client base is probably going to be a similar type of people. Mm-hmm. Not to generalize, but, you know, a lot of BMW drivers probably have a lot of the same behaviors and things like that. So in that sense, it would be a good time to adapt your products and services rather than looking for a new group of people who probably aren't interested in the BMW. But I think even a car itself shows the adaptability of a product. Yeah. Like when cars were invented, they literally just went forward. Yeah. And that was about it. But now, I mean, look at Tesla. They've got like self-driving, these massive like screens. Yeah. Heat like war like heat. What is it called? Seat warmers. Yeah, they've got horns that can you can change the sound of a horn. Mm-hmm. Like we've come so far in terms of transportation. Yeah, but they all basically do the same thing. They go forward. They take you from point A to B. Yeah, and I think that's that rings true for the same brand as well. So for example, I have got a Citroen C3, <laughs> which is a bad little thing, but she gets she does the job. At least you've got a car. Exactly. Um, mine's a 2009, so it's very, like, simple radio, you know, your classic, like, little CD player, your little buttons and all that kind of thing. My sister has the exact same car, but hers is from, like, 2019. It's got a screen. It's got yeah. CarPlay. It's got Apple Maps on it. Like, it's the same car, maybe a slightly different model, but it's adapted with the times. It's become more modern to keep up with competitors and to fit customer and client needs. So I think that's a really good example of how you could be adapting your product within your industry. Mm -hmm. So when improving this product and the way you offer it, you need to think beyond the product itself. Instead of listing the features of it, think of the benefits. So value can be added with guarantees, warranties, your after sales communication, online support as a range of more things that you can do than just listing the features of a product or a service. I agree. And I think that's another thing, or it's a thing that kind of relates to unique selling points. So Mm -hmm. I know Joe did an episode on this recently. Um, But things like, like you say, guarantees, warranties, support, those small little add-ons can be what makes your product unique. Like if I saw two of the same car and I was like, hmm, don't know which one to buy, they're exactly the same. One of them offered me, I don't know, a 10-year guarantee and online support or, like, you know. And the other one offered you, like, nothing. And the other one didn't give me any add-ons. I'm going to pick the one that offered me those, just those little extras that Mm -hmm. make it a bit more unique, that make it a bit more appealing to me, and that ultimately make it more convenient for me. Yeah. And I think that's a huge part of sales and marketing and anything within your business. It's about building convenience for your customer Mm -hmm. and just making them feel valued. So I think that's a really good point. So the next P is price. So obviously your price is kind of the only revenue generating element of the mix. So all other marketing marketing activities represent a cost. So it's important to get the price right to not only cover costs, but to generate profit too. So when you're thinking about the price of your product, I suppose it's thinking about, well, there's a lot of different things to think about within that, but it's kind of how, how valuable is it? How much value is it going to add for your customer or client? How much does it cost to make and produce or to buy? How much are your competitors selling it for as well? Yeah, you don't just want to break even. You want to be making a profit, but an appropriate amount of profit. Yeah. So before settling your prices or setting your prices, research information on what customers are willing to pay and gain a real understanding of the demand for the product or service in your market. So price is a really strong indication of your position in the market against competitors. 
and need to be set with these competitors in mind. So it's like I said earlier, think, have a look at what your competitors are also pricing a similar product or service at. And I think there's a lot of thought that has to go in it because a lot of people might see, oh, my competitor's pricing this at, say, £500. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put mine at £400. Yeah. Which, in a way, is good because, you know, you're you're offering a similar thing for a smaller, for a lower price point. But I think sometimes it's about finding that balance. And if it's too much less, it could be perceived as lower quality product or service. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's definitely... A good example of that is... Um, supermarkets own branding yes people sometimes have like negative connotations of it yeah because they're so cheap i mean it's basically the same exact thing i mean i've lived off bloody asda pasta for as long as i can remember yeah but because it is so cheap it does get a lot of bad rap but i think if you do sell yourself short it will it may come across to some people like that yeah I don't think it's, you know, the case all of the time because, for example, a lot of Joe's services are at a lower price point than many of our competitors. Mm -hmm. But that's for a good reason. That's to give more... Because we work with a lot of smaller business owners, maybe who haven't been in for business for that long and don't necessarily have the budget to spend thousands and thousands of pounds on a mastermind and things like that. Like, we want to give more small business owners the opportunity to get help and get support. You know, it's like you said with Asda. Asta's own brand, their new essentials range, which I am buying. Because it is banging. Cost of living, you know, I'm going to buy what's cheap, but it's not even bad. It's really good. It's, it's not bad at all. And so I think it's just... It's finding that balance. Yeah. It's, it's the thing you need to think about. Don't sell yourself short, but also don't overcharge. Yeah. Know your worth. Know your value. Think about your customer's needs, but just you know find again that balance find that price point that kind of feels right yeah and tries to help as you know tries to benefit all parties i guess yeah because i think we charge a decent price but i think again it's about giving more people the opportunity like asda gives thousands hundreds of thousands of people opportunity to actually eat during this cost of living crisis if i go to sainsbury's mate i'm not buying nothing but I, Asda, I can get all my food shopping there and it gives me the opportunity to pay a lower price point but yeah, know, do a food shop. Absolutely. I went shopping last week and I spent the same in Sainsbury's and Audi, but I got way more Audi than I'd ever get at Sainsbury's. Yeah, 100%. And what I'm realising is Sainsbury's is bloody extortionate. Oh, 100%. So expensive. But Asda, Let's you know... boycott Sainsbury's. That's on my Twitter. <laughs> boycott Sainsbury's, their sandwiches are not good. <laughs> Anyway, um, so yeah, again, it's just trying to think about what feels right, how it can benefit all parties, how you can give people the opportunity and still make a profit, Mm -hmm. I suppose. There's a lot that goes into it, but price is a huge part of your marketing. 100% huge. The third P on our marketing mix is place. So this is the place, hence the name, where customers make a purchase. So this might be through an app, a website or even in a brick and mortar store so a physical store some companies have the physical space or online presence to take their product or service straight to the customer whereas others have to work with the location storage and or sales experts to help with the distribution of their products or services so this part of the marketing mix involves decisions on which 
mediators will take part in the distribution chain. So that's like the middlemen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's who both ends of the journey will communicate together. Um, as well as the mechanics of delivering the product or service to the end customer, including storage and transportation. Well, I think place is a really important part of... I'm saying this about all of the P's. It's a really important part. Well, they're all they're seven P's for a reason. Yeah, they're all very um, important, important parts, as I've said. Particularly, like you say, for bricks and mortar businesses, the place in which your building or your shop is, is kind of crucial to where you're going if, if and when you're going to be found. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you put yourself next to a competitor um, and their marketing is a a thousand percent better than yours, people are going to go into that shop. Equally, if you've set up a physical store in some back alley of the town centre, you're not going to get the footfall that you need. Yeah. Because people are just going to walk straight past the shop. They don't have no idea it's there. You need to be able to market cold yeah it needs to help get people off the street into the store yeah to put money in your pocket at the end of the day it is all about putting money in our pockets yeah and i think with sort of place and location as well it's because i think i i I don't see but i hear a lot of people who say kind of oh i want to open this and it's not in this location so i'm going to open it here that could be a good decision however Maybe there's a reason it's not there. Maybe there's no demand in that area for that particular product or service. So if you're gonna open a new bricks and mortar business or you're gonna open a new franchise of your business or a new shop or a new building or anything like that, do the research of the area. Is there demand for what you offer in that certain place? If there's de- if there's high demand but low supply, get yourself in there. If there's like no demand, mm-hmm. that's probably why it's not there. And people would, the few people that, are in need of that product or service would probably be willing to go a little bit further to find it. Do you know what I mean? So it's just about having knowledge of the area in which you're going to set up. Are there people there who need your product and service? Are there people there who you're going to who are going to benefit from you being there? Essentially, just think about whether there's the demand in that area. I think equally, a website is similar to your storefront. This is what people are going to see first. This is what people are going to land on. You need to be hooking those people in cold like i said before yeah in order to make that sale absolutely yeah i think you know just imagine i mean i'll I'll just picture myself sort of walking through town not really paying attention to anything i'm kind of just i'm going to go and do what i need to do like i've got a problem i know where to go and find my solution Mm -hmm. i'm going straight there but if i'm just walking along dawdling through with my starbucks (laughs) and i see something that's like, oh, that's a bit eye-catching, isn't it? I'm mm-hmm. going to pop in there quickly on my way back. Like, I've just remembered it. So, again, it's about, it's the first thing that they see. Like, you have to make that first impression and make that hook. I think it, I think also if I know where to get this certain product in town yeah, and I'm walking past a store that offers me a better deal, mm-hmm. I, I'd rather go in there. Absolutely. Even though I haven't built that relationship with the store I'm walking past um, equivalent to the one that I go to all the time I think if they showed like in the window or even like on on a website if they showed me that they were doing the product better or it had better uh, benefits that sort of thing I think as a consumer it would 100% sway me if I'm getting something better absolutely 
then I'd be going there. I think it's all about where, yeah, it, the place is very important. Yeah. Because you need to be, this is where you're converting cold most exactly. of the time. Yeah. And I think the important part about that is then to be talking about mm-hmm. where you are. And again, talking about if you're offering a better bundle or a better service or a better offer, be talking about that, which brings us on to my next P, which is promotion. <laughs> promotion. So you have a great product. It's at a great price. It's available in all the right places. But are people aware? Do people actually know that you're there? Do people actually know what you offer? So promotion in our marketing mix is about communicating messages to your customers. Whatever stage they're at in the buyer journey, um, it's to generate awareness, interest, desire, or action. So there's a lot of different tools for communication with a range of benefits. Advertising is really great for raising awareness and reaching new potential customers. So advertising could be online, on social media, um, through email marketing, through Facebook ads. Through massive billboards. Massive billboards. and then flyers. Yeah, you've got your offline marketing too. Leaflet dropping, I'm telling you people, <laughs> it works. Like, <laughs> do not overlook a bit of leaflet dropping. You know, I mean, it does work. I mean, when I have a look through my mailbox and my mailbox is full of leaflets, I'm just like, you know, you've got some Domino's deals. Oh, whenever they come through my door, I'm like, yes, give them all Yeah, got me. those Subway vouchers. So like, good. This is all marketing and it works because I'm thinking, oh, I can get a foot-long meal deal for four ninety nine. It's amazing. I'm going to go to Subway. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, you know, offline marketing is and promotion is just as beneficial as online marketing i think people forget that there was a world before social media 100 percent. like there was marketing before the internet yeah how do you think the internet became so popular <laughs> marketing <laughs> um so yeah advertising is a great way to do it and then you've got kind of um personal selling as well using like a sales team so this can be great for building relationships with current customers and closing a sale so that could again go back to something like car sales so you know, you're probably not just going to go into a car sales place and think, that one looks nice, I want that one. You're going to talk <laughs> to the salesperson, um, get some details, and they're going to start building a relationship with you and building trust, um, getting you to trust them and to trust the product that they're trying to sell you. So it's a really kind of great personal way to connect to a potential client or customer and could also be things like telemarketing, um, so phoning customers or follow-up calls or um, just things like that that kind of really start to build the relationship. I think going back to your um, car sales analogy, I think people tend to go back to the same car sales place yes. as well. So building that relationship with your current customers, like the sales team that we were talking about, they, if you're going back to the same car sales place, garage yeah again and again you're gonna be seeing the same pretty much the same sales team exactly and you're gonna they're gonna be building that relationship with their current customers and closing that sale again and again yeah i think that's a really good point and for example so i've been using the same repairs garage for the last three years since i got my car wow so i i know them really well i've built a relationship with them with the receptionist with the mechanics and things like that they know me, they know my car, they know my mum as well, because she goes there too. I've even moved house since then, and I could easily just go to another garage that's closer to my new place. But 
you know, I've got my MOT in two weeks. I'm driving back to where the garage is to go get it done there because I trust them. I trust them with the quotes. And previous to this, they have let me split my repair costs in mm-hmm. half and pay it in installments. And it's just things like that that have made me trust them and feel good about the service they provide. So it means I keep going back to them. Yeah. Every year I book my MOT in the same place. Every time I need a repair or a service, I go to the same place. Even though it means I have to drive that little bit further, I'm still getting the service that I trust from the people that I trust. Yeah, and I think because you've built that relationship, you're also the first people to know their new products or yeah. their new services. Yeah. Or that when they're launching a brand new, I don't know, anything pretty much. I think when it comes to building that relationship and um, almost as a, it's almost a friendship really. Yeah. You'll always be the first people to know what they're doing mm-hmm. and that's that's the promotion. Exactly. Yeah. So the challenge with promotion is choosing the best tool for the job and selecting the most effective media to reach your audience based on what based on what you know about them. So it's about thinking again, I've said this so many times during our <laughs> Team Takeover episodes, it's about thinking about your target audience. Think about your ideal customer, your client avatar. If your client avatar or your ideal customer is a regular on Instagram then that's where you need to be reaching them and talking to them. So it's like their demographics, their behaviours, where are they going to be spending their most time? You know, um, I know a lot of younger people are on sort of Instagram over Facebook. I mean, I'm 21 and I love Facebook. I do love a bit of Facebook. I cannot get off Facebook. I don't know why. (laughs) I love Facebook. I feel like my mum, but I love it. (laughs) Um, So it's just thinking about where your target audience is spending the most time online or offline and then targeting those platforms and targeting those areas and then telling people what you do. We see so many people who don't talk about what they do and what they offer and who they are and then they don't get anything from it and we're just like, tell people what you're doing, babe. (laughs) (laughs) Get it out there, girl. Yeah, I think it's really important to understand your ideal customer. Like, take some time actually thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, Like, take you know, baby toys, for example, yeah, your the people who are using these may be, you know, one, two years old, but you're not marketing to them, you're no. marketing to their parents. Yeah. I think you really need to get a good grasp and understanding of who is actually buying yeah. your products because there's a big difference between who is consuming your products and who are buying them. Yeah, it's customer versus consumer. Yeah. The customer is a parent, the consumer is the baby. Mm-hmm. You know? So. Speaking of um, target audience, people is our fifth P in the marketing mix. Certainly is. So people are at the forefront of a company's interaction with consumers. So this can be processing their inquiries, purchases, and complaints in person or via online chat or social media, anywhere that you're going to interact with your consumers so their understanding of your company's goods and services as well as how to use them uh, their capacity to acquire important information about your product or service and their overall approach and attitude must all be improved it all must be adaptable it all must be with the times you need to be constantly checking in with how your how you or your team who are doing it are interacting with those consumers. You need to be ahead of the game. Yeah. And I think it's also about, I don't know if you've already said this, but being aware of the ever-changing needs Mm -hmm. of your audience. And I think I said something similar in a previous episode, but 
and we I think we've mentioned it earlier in this episode too, people's needs are always changing. So it's about having that awareness and again, checking in with your clients and customers, having those conversations, keep building those relationships and because business is personal, like we'll say it time and time again. Yeah. But it's about having, again, those relationships with the customers, follow-up emails, follow-up calls, just quick DMs, um, talking to them within the community, asking if they need help, like, what can we do for them? And it's just, the more you nurture that relationship, the more that uh, that potential client or that client trusts you, then the more inclined they will be to invest in your business and make a purchase. I think... Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that you or the team that um, you will work with to make these touch points, they can be a bit unpredictable, but when they have the right training and encouragement from you and the company, they can represent a chance to be unique in Mm -hmm. this massively competitive market um, and develop important customer connections and relationships. Yeah. I think as long as they understand that they need to be adaptable and understand that how unique your product or service is and really sell it, then they can make those connections and relationships with your customers, which is what we all want at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, again, it's like if I had the same service twice in front of me, the same had two of the same services in front of me, one of them was like, here you go, you can buy it if you want. One of them I'd been emailing back and forth like we'd been talking i'd had a lot of advice and help off of them mm-hmm. i trust that second person i'm gonna buy off them not yeah. someone who's just said buy this because i need money yeah i'm gonna choose the person who i've got that relationship with absolutely awesome so our penultimate p <laughs> very nice word is process so all businesses aim to provide a kind of seamless efficient and customer friendly journey Um, And this can't be accomplished without the proper processes in place behind the scenes. So understanding the phases of the customer journey, which could be from initiating an online inquiry to requesting information and completing a purchase, allows you to assess what processes are required to guarantee the consumer has a great experience. So Mm -hmm. it's about... Building relationships. Yeah, and it's about... (laughs) creating a really simple and easy and enjoyable experience and process for the customer and for the client or for the consumer. And I think it slightly links to the SEO episode we did Mm -hmm. where we kind of talked about on your website, like you don't want to make your visitor click, 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 click to try and find the answer or to try and find What what they're looking for. Like it needs to be so simple. So when you're thinking about the process, Ask yourself these few questions. So, this is where you need your pen and paper again. (laughs) How long will it take for a consumer to receive a response after making an inquiry? What happens when they place an order? How can we ensure that reviews are created following a purchase? How can we use technology to improve the efficiency of our processes? So, questions like that are really kind of good prompts or, I guess, food for thoughts. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, about how you can create a really pleasant client experience. So all of these different factors are going to contribute to that experience. And again, it's that relationship. It's that trust. If they've had a really easy and smooth journey, then they're going to be inclined to come back to you. Like I've bought things before where it's taken me all so long. I've not had no communication. It's like 
when you buy something online and there's those random websites and they don't even tell you when it's going to be delivered it says thanks for your purchase yeah, i got scammed the other day because of that did you yeah yeah i bought some new headphones and they didn't give me a delivery date and this was like two months ago yeah yeah exactly and i i had no communication there was no delivery date and it's it's those tiny things it's like with amazon they have that tracker yeah i love it i love it and i will just sit and i'll look at it all day and i'm like oh <laughs> it's out for delivery oh it's in the area oh it's two stops away it's just those small bits of communication that really add value for the customer's journey and it makes me want to go back and buy from them again. Yeah, I think as consumers, we need to be reassured yeah. that our money has gone on the right thing. Absolutely. And I think a seamless journey, even the aftercare of a sale, yeah. like the tracker, really reassures us as customers that we've made the right choice. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's that um, confidence and that feeling of content when we make a purchase because, you know, I buy a lot of crap, right? I'm Same. like, mm, I don't really want to buy this. But then it's just those little bits that are like, we've got your order. We're going to deliver it on this day. I'm like, yeah, go on then. You yeah. know, I'm happy with my purchase. Do you know what I mean? So it really does make a world of difference. Mm -hmm. And our last P of the marketing mix is physical evidence. So physical proof gives indicators of the quality of experience provided by a company. So this is your testimonials, your reviews, uh, your case studies, anything that is going to show other potential customers that what you offer is beneficial to them. So it's especially beneficial when a consumer has never purchased from the company before and wants confidence or when a service is anticipated to be paid for before it is provided. So like I said before, this is people who have already purchased from you, and really love the product, like the product, they want to use it again, and new and cold leads and consumers are coming in, not really knowing whether or not they want to purchase from you. But people buy from people. Yes. At the end of the day, people buy from people. And they will see these testimonials, reviews, case studies of people absolutely adoring your product or service. And this, like we said before, reassures the buyer that your product or service is great so they're gonna buy it because other people are yeah. other people are loving it if that makes sense yeah and i think it comes <laughs> back to the whole confidence thing that we talked about um with process it's you know a lot of um for say for a service a mentoring service or something a lot of the time it can be a big investment like a lot of people are spending uh, willing to spend potentially willing to spend a lot of money in different industries. Like before I started out in this industry, I did not realize how much money there was in it. Mm -hmm. Like people will, will spend, if they have the money for it and they have the need for it, people will spend. And I think when it's when it can be such a big investment, um, people might be maybe skeptical to spend money on it. But then I think that physical evidence, those testimonials, that client proof, the client love posts, all those kind of things, they just give confidence to the potential client or customer. They think, okay, someone else has loved this and they had the same problem as me, so it seems like I'm going to have the same success. And again, like you said, people buy from people. Mm -hmm. I could sit here and I could tell you, our services are amazing, like our websites are great, my blogs are amazing, like they're going to be so beneficial for you. I'm going to say that, aren't I? <laughs> it's my stuff. I mean, I'm not lying, but it's my stuff. If you hear one of our previous clients talking about it and saying how amazing it was and the success they had from it, 
you will then be more inclined to make a purchase because you've seen someone else yeah. have success. Yeah. So, for example, say, take like a restaurant or something. This physical proof or physical evidence may include like the surroundings, the uniforms, the menu, anything to suggest the type of experience you're going to expect going in. Yeah. Whereas, like, for an agency or for us, our website itself contains the proof it could be like testimonials case studies as we mentioned before as well as contracts that uh, companies are provided to reflect the services um, and that will make you anticipate it to be delivered so this is anything that you can prove that what you're selling is great because you're always going to get those cold leads that come in that they haven't heard yeah. from anywhere or anything about you and they come into your website and if they see that other people are happy with their product or service that they use us continually they're more inclined to buy from you yeah and i think what you said about things like uniforms is a really really interesting point yeah because i think it's those really kind of subtle indicators that can convey to a potential customer or client the kind of experience they're going to get so for example a coffee shop one of my friends works at a coffee shop and they don't have a uniform they obviously have to wear within company guidelines and wear Mm -hmm. something appropriate but most of them sort of wear jeans and like a t-shirt or a shirt or a jacket which there's no problem with but that then suggests to me it's a more casual environment it's going to be quite um, open and warm and welcoming and casual whereas if you're going to a restaurant everyone's in like button shirts and ties and uniforms and things like Mm -hmm. that i'm gonna expect a more professional upscale sort of yeah a more professional service more professional energy so i think it's just those small indicators that can really think uh, can really put a preconception or an idea in a potential customer client's mind of the kind of experience they're going to get with you yeah i think even going back to your car sales example all of the car salesmen I've ever seen are always in suits. Yeah. Always in suits. I think I'd be more inclined to buy from someone in the suit that someone than someone who turns up in flip-flops and shorts. Absolutely, because you're making a big purchase there. That's a huge investment. That's a lot of money. You want to be sure that you're buying from someone who knows what they're talking about, who is professional, who has experience, and even down to wearing a suit and tie makes someone seem professional. Yeah, I think we it? don't want to admit it, but I think we as people do make snap judgments we do so we're going to analyze the what we're looking at or the area we're looking at immediately and we're going to make an assumption on the spot immediately yeah so i think making yourself presentable as possible i think is probably the way to put it um and showing going back to physical evidence showing that your product or service is great yeah is the way forward because people make snap judgments yeah they do and i think that's natural like like you say everyone does it so Mm -hmm. then again adapt it's about adapting and thinking about how can you put the best possible preconception of your business in a potential customer or client's mind think about the small details if you're going for a more casual approach and you want to be a bit more warm and welcoming like hey come on in type thing no uniforms is great, but if you want more professional things, then suit, tie, briefcase, all that kind of stuff. Your you kind of typical things that are going to make your audience feel a feel a certain way is is important to consider. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And that's the seven P's of marketing. It certainly is seven P's of marketing. <laughs> so obviously, like we said, there's a whole lot that goes into marketing, but I think those seven P's are a really good way to kind of sum most of it up. Yeah, it's a good place to start, Yeah, I think. Um, definitely keeping those seven things in mind, maybe really delving deep into them later on yeah. or thinking about them individually to really get an understanding of them is where you want to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So if you take these points and implement them into your own business, um, then it will help you stand out against rivals and competitors because you're providing a product that meets the demands of your customers. If you're unique and true to your product and service, you'll differentiate yourself from competitors and more of your current customers and even potential customers will purchase from you, which is what marketing is all about, isn't it? So what we want at the end of the day. It is what we want. (laughs) Yeah, and again, with the whole uniqueness thing, it's about how you do it and it's the whole thing about marketing. The marketing is the how, isn't it? Absolutely. So, same product. Two of the same products. Could be exactly the same thing, but the thing that makes it unique is how you present it to your audience. It's the people that you work with. It's the personal aspect you put on it and it's the relationships that you build with your clients. So, I think that's just a really important side note to to talk about right now. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Anything else from you, Chris? Um, no, I think just remember what you offer is, is great. Um, you're doing this for a reason. You're in business for a reason. But just remember to be adaptable, understand your customer needs, um, do your competitor research. Yeah, just really get a good understanding of your industry and make sure you're on top of things. Make sure you're down with the kids you know as they say (laughs) oh and remember the seven p's yes one more time you have got where's the bit of paper (laughs) you've got product price place promotion people process and physical evidence great yes so if you enjoyed this week's episode of business uncensored please do rate and review the podcast we love your feedback Um, If you want to reach out, if you need some advice, if you want to talk about marketing, anything like that, then um, all the social media links are in the show notes. They are indeed. Or you can contact us on team at joebevelacqua.com, which I will also put in the show notes too. Great. And yeah. That's it from us for this week. That's it. We will see you next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye.